Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. Sarah Baldwin. Thanks for having me here, John. It's good to see hey, you. It, no association to um, Alec Baldwin, Stephen Baldwin, the other Baldwins? No, the piano <laughs> Baldwin, the lock Baldwin. There's lots of locks, quality locks, but no, none of them are my relatives. Although I did do, I used to be an actor and I was in college. I did some, mm. in Boston, some extra work and, um, and did a little thing with Alec Baldwin. And it was funny because we were both Baldwins. And lots he has like Baldwin. 15 kids. And he's yes, like, like uh, I think, in yeah, 60s. It, he looks very tired to me with all well, those children. I would be tired I with, I think he has eight or nine. It's a lot of kids. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense for this generation. I've never heard yeah. of such a thing. But um, I'm assuming he's well off and I'm assuming he has a lot of help. So maybe, obviously, that's probably the, the way yeah. to do it. Um, so I'm a big fan of your content. Um, you know, when I look at the stuff that you put out there, I think it's so valuable because it's razor sharp. Um, you, you, everything is through the lens of your nervous system, right? Um, mm-hmm. and your nervous system affects every part of your life. So it's not just, um, you know, your relationship with self, but your relationship. I mean, it just, it's, it's kind of, it, it can be the sun that all the other planets revolve around, you know? and um, you're the type of person that I think crosses her T's, dots her I's. Everything is very perfect. Uh, you know, my con- I'm like tainting my tent in the sun and doing just all random crazy <laughs> shit. I saw you're- that and I was I thought it was amazing. So you know, your your, your videos way. your videos have a point. Uh, there is a lesson in every video, which I think makes it so powerful. And so thank you for being on this podcast. We're going to talk a lot about obviously the nervous system, um, but I'm a big fan of stories. I wanted to start with how you got here and how you were injected with this passion. Um, for most people, they find their cape because it lines up with their story, you know? Yeah. Well, first, so, just kind words. I really appreciate that. It means a lot. Um, mm. And yeah, I think that, that most people in our field in mental health, um, I mean, I'm, I'm making broad stroke um, statement here, but, but come to it because we understand it personally. And so yeah. for me, I, um, I have to, to try to say this succinctly, I have a complex trauma history. So mm-hmm. I grew up in a home also with a lot of kids, eight children, wow. uh, eight kids. Yeah. One mom, but four fathers. So not what you might think. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, I grew up in a rural part of New Hampshire in poverty, like government food and not, mm. not a lot of clothes, just not a lot of stuff. Uh, Where were the, you in the sibling position? Were you the eldest um, or the, somewhere in the middle? No, or? Five, five older than me and two younger with a 20-year mm. spread. So the youngest to oldest, there's a 20-year age gap. Um, wow. And um, I'm from uh, the result of an affair. So my mother had mm. five children. Um, and then had an affair with my, my uh, biological father who also had a family. Um, and yeah, my mom is a narcissist. I haven't talked to her in maybe eight, eight years or so Mm. a long time. Um, and it was really like, um, uh, raise yourself kind of thing. Teach yourself to read, you know, it was not a lot of supervision. Um, my older siblings 
took it out on me, you know, which I, Mm -hmm. of course, didn't understand as a kid later understood because my mom didn't take responsibility for what, you know, she had broken up their family. And um, so it was a lot of um, pretty cruel stuff towards me. And then she had two other children and um, with two different people. And then I, so lots of neglect, lots of stuff happening. And then also sexual abuse inside my home. Um, were, 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 were all eight children under one roof? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, wow. Uh, well, never eight because of 20 year spread. So there might have right. been seven. seven okay. Yeah. Um, and then, so I was kind of like the youngest of the first group and then the oldest of the second. Um, and, and I had, you know, our systems, our nervous systems are so incredible. Mine really helped me first by dissociating so much that I actually mm. didn't anything that happened to me. Um, I had like inklings of things, but, but I really didn't remember anything, uh, until I was in safety, which, you know, you know, often happens later in my life when I went to college. Um, so yeah, one of the things I learned to do, so I dissociated totally, um, from the experiences and then I, uh, learned to, to be hyper mobile. So I was, I didn't get love at home, but I knew that Mm -hmm. if I was striving that I could get love from teachers. And so I, and I didn't have to be in my really dangerous house. So I just like joined every school was safe. Yeah. School was safe. That was like my only safe place. Mm. Um, aside from like visiting family in the summer. Um, and then I went to college and a lot of stuff started to like bubble up pretty big. Um, when, can I ask you something when, um, when things come back, when we suppress, when we disassociate as, uh, when we're younger and then now in college, things are starting to come back. What does that look like? Is that, is is it appearing kind of like dreamy and you're not sure Mm -hmm. if this happened, that happened, or is it like memories just, you know, hitting you and hitting you and hitting you? Well, it can be either for me, the way in our systems or psyches are so brilliant. I mean, I'm just saying this to everyone listening, um, that, they know that it would be too much for us to be with all of that perpetually. So we find ways to put everything in boxes. Our yeah, psyche file. does that for us. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so what it looked like for me, and again, it can look like either of those things. I always, I would say to my, my parents, like, I think I was molested. And they would say, oh, no, everyone feels that way. It's normal, <laughs> you know, which is not yeah. a normal thing to say. Yeah. Um, but so the, the, the dissociation was there, but there was this knowingness, of course. Like I know, but I don't know kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And when I went to college, what first started to happen was um, the somatic experience of memory coming back, which to, which for me looked like deep depression, panic mm-hmm. attacks. Um, I gained like seventy pounds in the matter of a few months. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I was having the somatic dysregulation. So this is the sensations and the feelings um, that were connected to the dysregulation, and then. What began to happen was, um, and I also, you know, I was consistently putting myself in situations that were um, resembling my childhood. So I would date a lot of guys who were dangerous, who had significant others I didn't know about, was, you know, risky behaviors, because that's what my system knew, chaos and, and all of that. that. Um, and then I so went to an art school in Boston uh, for acting. It's what I did most of my life. But well, before I changed careers 10 years ago. Um, and I did my last semester of school in LA um, because I have like a program here. And I really was one of those stories where I got off a plane with like two suitcases and nowhere to stay. And my, my stepfather had, had, I guess I had to get private college, private college loans 
had to go to college because we were really poor, but he forged all his, my signature and took all the money. So I was like in debt, a hundred thousand dollars, had nowhere to sleep. Um, stayed on like, like really that story stayed on friends, like uh, kitchen floor, laminate Wait, floor. How old were you? Uh, I was 21. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I went to, so yeah, it was really, you know, really, really hard. Um, and I went to a, I, I still sometimes drive by it in Studio City, this free, or not free, I think it was like, I paid like five bucks for um, therapy, you know, from a really young kid who just finished their master's and were not equipped to help me. <laughs> and this woman, which is, you know, like, like therapy 101, no, no, certainly trauma therapy, no, no, um, but should never happen is she was curious. And so she started digging like digging around and, and asking leading questions for what she thought may have happened. Um, and all of a sudden I was flooded with, with, uh, memories. So this is a mistake. Many people, uh, therapists, um, getting their hours. I'm sure I have made this mistake. Our heart's in the right place. We're curious. We want to know your story, but we're completely aware that we are steering a pot and we, and you are, what you're left with is all the residue and all this. And so yeah. you're nervous, you know, and then, you know, they get to say, you know, all right, who's next on, on my roster. To, yeah. yeah. Well, this woman, I wish I could find her and, and well, she probably never thought thinking about it anymore, but this kid, she ran out of the room because she wow. was just really scared. And, uh, like the, the, what, wait, what did you do? Did you do something when you, when, when, uh, it all came up? Why did she run? Yeah. I started dry heaving and uh, I think I threw up as well. So she was like, whoa, I don't know what just happened. And I don't know how to contain this. And so she like ran out of the room and her supervisor came in and, um, but it was the beginning that should never happen. I wish that never happened. Yeah. Um, and then it began a 15 year, um, journey of healing where, Mm -hmm. um, I had to, uh, you know, for me, it felt like there was no other choice because, um, you know, it was either like not be here because the pain of it was too much or heal. And of course there was a choice. I could have done a lot of things to numb myself forever. Um, but, um, it felt like there wasn't. So I really kind of devoted my life to it and, and realized the importance of somatic work because I was doing at first a lot of psychodynamic therapy, which of course has a benefit, but the somatic component for trauma resolution is completely necessary. And of course there's lots of research on that. And I didn't know that. So I was like talking, 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 but it didn't actually get rid of the shame I felt. Mm -hmm. It didn't get rid of the, the survival responses that were coming up in my body, like startle responses or panic, or why couldn't I sleep at night? Or why couldn't I let people close to me? Didn't heal my attachment and Mm -hmm. many other things. So realizing, oh, there's other stuff I need too. And then went down the journey of finding all that work and then realizing, um, you know, once I'll never forget the moment where I was sitting in someone's office and um, a somatic uh, practitioner. And it was the first time I actually felt fully in my body and Mm. present. And I like, there was like tears streaming down my face. And I said, you know, I will never forget how extraordinary the most ordinary moment can be when you can actually be safe to be alive 
like mm. I'm alive. Wow. And it changed my life. Like I, I, and of course it wasn't like, and from that on, I was totally regulated every moment because none of us are ever. Um, but it, it was like, wow, you can actually be this free. And then it changed the trajectory of my life in terms of what I do, because I just felt like, um, I want everybody to be able to experience this. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I went back to school and did lots of training for eight or so years. And, um, and, and that leads me to where, where I am now. Can I ask you what happened in that room or what kind of space was created, uh, for you to have that moment where you you felt this is the first time in my life. I feel like I'm in my body and connected and grounded, or was it just coincidence that, that like, no, what promoted that? It was, it was a long time. I don't know. Once I found somatic work, it might've been a year or maybe a couple, I don't know, a while. I don't want to give people listening, like, cause people a ask time, me, yeah. like, how long does it take? Right, you know? right. It's, different. it's dependent on your history. It's dependent on how often you're doing, what are you doing outside of sessions? Blah, blah, blah. But anyway, it was a while of doing consistently learning how to teach my nervous system, essentially teach my nervous system that the past was over and I'm safe. And, mm -hmm. and, and in terms of somatic experiencing work, um, uh, the, the term that Peter Levine uses is teaching our nervous systems how to pendulate again. So mm. to go from activation to deactivation, which our systems naturally know how to do, but when we experience trauma, they forget how to do that. And they get stuck in what he calls like the trauma vortice or our systems not knowing the past is over. So for consistently getting into my body, slowly tight in a titrated so a little bit at a time way and then seeing can i be with this very small amount of activation and then can i do things to help it to discharge or that means leave your body which yeah. taught my nervous system how to pendulate and changed my vagal tone which essentially means how you experience your nervous system whether you're regulated or not and so it was enough of like all this work to get to this peak of one of like in a mountain range of course mm -hmm. there's not just one mountain like on the top of this mountain, now my nervous system knows how to be in regulation. Like right. it knows, it knows that that's safe now. And I like to, to just say that for everybody listening, because I used to think it was a mystical process that maybe only worked for some people who were mm -hmm. really, really lucky, or they must've just been like less broken than me. Cause I thought I was so broken. Mm. And what I love about neuroscience and somatic work is it actually tells us that our autonomic nervous system is malleable and shapeable, it's pliable. Mm -hmm. And that means we can change what's called our vagal toner, how we experience our nervous system. And it's literally just like reps at the gym. Right. And of course, it's, it's, I'm simplifying something that's exquisitely complex. But when we do consistent neural exercises or things that regulate our nervous system that don't move the needle to like, you feel terrible to you feel amazing, like I'm mm -hmm. in Hawaii, but I feel, oh, I took a deeper breath. Oh, I still feel anxious, but I took a deeper breath or mm -hmm. I still feel um, apathetic, but I'm slightly more present in my body, a little less numb. That's, that is the result of or a clue that you, we literally just talk to our nervous system. And if we can do consistent neural exercises like that, like it's like a rep at the gym again and again and again, all of a sudden you wake up and like, oh, I'm not having panic attacks anymore. Or, whoa, I can feel the sun on my face. Like, holy shit, I'm here. Like I'm really here. So for me, that's what it was. The consistent, seemingly small shifts that well, they add up to freedom. They add up to regulation. 
I, I love that you used the word uh, pendulum because um, it is not a light switch. So we're talking about a life practice, right? We're talking about a way of living. It's not something you do over the weekend and then you're suddenly cured. And I think this is what we forget because life happens and, you know, we get into relationships and we get busy with work and we, we uh, forget about our nervous system. <laughs> we forget about our practices yeah. and suddenly we're having panic attacks and, and all of this. Um, let me ask you, so what, what do you do or anyone listening who, um, you know, they're nodding their heads they're like, yes, I feel that way. Um, I am very deregulated. Uh, and, and I got to say, at least for me, nothing deregulates you more than um, someone else as far as an intimate yeah, relationship, I feel like, right? So people yes, in that situation, um, what are some things that they can do just to start? Mm, yeah. You know, what are, what, maybe share some of your practices. And, and of yeah. course, um, go to her Instagram because it's a collection of so many things to do. Um, uh, you're going to want to save every video that she has on there. Mm, uh, and and we'll, we'll put that all in the show notes where, where to reach you. Oh, thanks, John. Yeah. Um, well, a, a couple of things I want to say, and I just want to first use this metaphor because I, I use this a lot to help people understand this. Um, like, imagine that if, let's say, I got to an accident and I was maybe paralyzed from the waist down. Um, and my, I was determined though to walk again. And what it would be really crazy if I thought that after one day I was going to be up and walking, like that's, that's not going to happen. It's mm -hmm. not physiologically possible. And what I will say is if there was, let's say I was in one room or there's two of me in each room and I had someone coming in a friend to support me each day. And in one room, the friend coming in was cheering me on. And when I moved my big toe for the first time, they wept and said, if you can move your big toe, you're going to be able to walk. Mm -hmm. I know it. I know it. I know it. That's a big deal. Look what you just did. You moved your ankle. So if I have someone speaking to me that way versus in another room, when I move my big toe, they say, this doesn't work. You're never going to change. It's not right. possible for you. Right. Why even try? So the way that we approach our relationship to our nervous system is very, very important. I call it befriending our nervous system. Mm -hmm. If I am like kicking the shit out of myself and my nervous system by saying like, it, I, I still don't feel great, this doesn't work, um, then the process is going to be really slow. But if I can see it the way, like, like, just like I said, if I move my big toe with that unwavering knowingness that it is possible, that means I can actually feel my leg. And if I can move my big toe, I'm going to be able to move my foot. And then I'm going to be able to put my feet on the ground. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to be able to stand. And then I'm going to be able to walk with support. And then I'm going to be able to run again. And I mean, you're talking about the nervous. power of belief. You're, I mean, simply put, oh, yeah, yeah. if you exactly. don't believe you can do it, you're not going to do it. And if you have no. belief because of, of, of even starting with one, wiggling one toe, uh, this is the same yeah. process when you go into the gym. And if you don't believe you can yeah. pick up the weight, you're probably not going to, even if you can. And if you believe right. you can pick up the weight, the chances of you actually doing it is exponential. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's exactly the same. And what I want everyone listening to know is this isn't just like a made up thing. I'm I'm saying to you, this is actually what neuroscience and research, research tells us. Mm -hmm. It is possible to do this. And, and we have to understand that if you're dysregulated, so when I say the word dysregulation, experiencing so symptoms of dysregulation, this is not the starting point. These are the symptoms are things like anxiety, worry, frustration, fear, terror, rage, racing thoughts, not being able to sleep, chronic illness, apathy, hopelessness, depression, feeling stuck or trapped and a plethora of other things. Those are symptoms of dysregulation. So 
most of the time what happens is um, that when we're experiencing those symptoms or people people are having that transpire occur, that we're really looking for something that's going to immediately change that for us. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to go from feeling really anxious to feeling totally better. And and it's just really important that everyone knows that that, that doesn't happen for anybody. There's no mm-hmm. one's nervous system who knows how to do, who, who can do that. It'd be like if I went to the gym, well, I do go to the gym. Let's say I stopped exercising for a year and then I went mm-hmm. back to the gym and I tried to do everything I did the year before. It, I would need time. My body mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to, literally wouldn't be able to do that. The same goes for our nervous system. So once we can, number one, know that what we're looking for is micro changes. So mm-hmm. we're not looking for, as we're regulating our nervous system, that I feel like a million dollars. I'm looking, I, we need to become experts in noticing the nuance of change. Did anything change? And if anything changes, changes that meant I successfully spoke to my nervous system and I showed it that I am safe to be present. Mm-hmm. The thing about our nervous system is it loves us so much that it needs a lot of data points to actually allow us to not be self-protected in our lives. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I spent decades with the world and people not being safe. So it would be a really, it wouldn't be a very good nervous system I had if once I said, hey, nervous system, trust me, it's safe to be in the world. And my nervous system just said, sure, Sarah, I won't protect you anymore. You're just totally safe to be present in here and connect with other people and be vulnerable. I would say that that would be a really maladaptive nervous system. Instead, it's like, I don't think so. I have a lot of data points about how people aren't safe, vulnerability mm-hmm. isn't being present. And so it's saying, you have to give me evidence in order for me to, because I love you so much, in order for me to stop protecting you like I am, I need to know you're actually safe, which just seems like a relationship. It's like if you just meet someone and they give you the say words like, you can trust me. And I'm like, I met you last week. No, I can't. I don't right, know right. you yet. Right. Um, same with our nervous system. So. So those are a couple of important things to, to know about it. And then uh, what we're looking for is really um, consistent, what I, or consistent neural exercises. So a neural exercise is just like a rep at the gym, like if I was doing a deadlift. I did one rep. That's like a neural exercise for my nervous system. I do one experience of regulating. So when I'm working with people, and this is what I do every day in my life, um, is we we pick a, a number, amount of times a day that I'm going to do something that regulates my nervous system. So you could start with five, you could start with 10, you could start with 20. And these aren't like take two hours to do this yoga nidra. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. literally anything at all that supports you to feel more present and here. And just want to give a caveat for people that is not something that helps you to numb or cover up dysregulation. Because people mm. might be like, oh, scrolling Instagram. If you scroll right. Instagram and 25 minutes goes by and you think it's three minutes, that is not a mm-hmm. regulating tool. Mm-hmm. That is something you're doing to numb. It can be regulating if you're deeply engaged to what you're experiencing. Um, but so yeah, let's give, let's any- give some examples. This is Yeah, so I like to simplify it and say um, whatever is connecting to self instead of disconnecting, right? What, do, what, what is expanding yeah. you instead of constricting you? And yes, something yeah. like Instagram um, where you're just scrolling. Uh, uh, it, yeah. it, it may feel good because you are getting chemicals, yes. right? But um, I, in a way, it's disconnecting um, you yes. with you. Uh, so what are some actual uh, things in real life that does yeah. regulate your nervous system? Yeah. So um, our nervous system is subcortical, so below our brains, uh, Mm -hmm. and lives in our body, where verbal language does not reach. So 
It, you can only use verbal language to regulate if you are mildly dysregulated because your prefrontal cortex right. is still working. If we are more than mildly dysregulated, it will not help. People mm -hmm. listening know that when you're having a, you're like, I feel socially anxious. I hope I don't have a panic attack. And you're like, don't have a panic attack. Do not have a panic attack. And you do have a panic attack because yeah. it doesn't work to talk your way out of it. Instead, we want to use, um, oh, there's body. lots of therapeutic tools, uh, mm -hmm. use our bodies. So I'll give a few examples of therapeutic tools and then things that everybody has in their own life um, that can support us. So the first is vibration is a powerful way to regulate your nervous system. Mm. Our autonomic nervous system has nerve endings that actually touch every organ system in our body. They constrict around org our, organ our organs when we're dysregulated. If we can use vibration, it actually helps to release those nerve endings, communicating or signaling up to our brain. And 80% of information goes from our body to our brain. So we want to mm -hmm. switch what's happening in our body that we're safe. So um, uh, a sound that that um, Peter Levine uses, I use a lot, but comes from his body of work is the vibrational sound voo, V-O-O. Mm. When we make sounds, it's very Im important that we want to see if we can send them to our lower viscera or our stomach space instead of, for example, I could make this sound that's all up in my, my nasal passage like this. It's all up here. Mm -hmm. And when I send it up here, that's where my, my ventral vagal complex or my part of my nervous system that brings regulation is. But I actually want that vibration to go to where I'm dysregulated. Because mm. if it can go to where I'm dysregulated, it releases the nerve endings that we're, we want to be talking to. So instead, making uh, a sound that's in a low, low register in our voice and sending it to our diaphragm or our gut region, sounding more like something like this. So you can even go deeper, drop mm -hmm. octaves. Um, and doing the sound ohm, wonderful. Uh, to use as well. But we really want to see, can I um, send that down to my stomach or my root chakra area? And the purpose is because it sends the vibrational tone to those nerve endings, communicating or signaling regulation to our brain. Is this um, how so, uh, sound baths work? Uh, yeah, in a way, yes. In a so way, sound yeah. bath, um, what uh, the vibrational the, frequency... The giant bowls where they're doing this yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They're incredibly regulating. So that vibrational frequency, it's different because I'm not making the frequency going into my body. The mm -hmm. frequency is external and it's coming in. And we have, we have, our systems have something called mirror neurons. So nervous systems read each other mm -hmm. and, um, and our nervous systems are always vibrating. We're vibrating. So if we can be um, signaled uh, and cued into vibrational sounds that bring regulation, mm. it brings us into regulation. So sound bath is another great example. Um, and by the way, I want to just name that. I'm going to give a couple more examples, but we inherently know how to regulate our nervous systems. For example, someone who has decent emotional health, when they see a baby crying, your instinct is to pick the baby up, to put them on your chest, to pat them on the back and right. sway and possibly right. hum. Now, mm -hmm. the incredible thing about that is if a baby is in distress, they're likely in what's called their sympathetic nervous system. The location, I just think this is so cool how this is all our evolutionary selves know how to do these things. Mm -hmm. The sympathetic nervous system, which is referred to as fight or flight sometimes or mobilization, is located. The architecture location is our chest and our mid back where our heart is. Now, isn't it cool that we have the impulse to pick a baby up, put them on our chest, and then tap them on their back where the sympathetic system is located, and mm. hum, which brings a vibrational tone, 
all of which creates regulation in our nervous system. So if people are like, I don't know how to do this, I just want you to know your system actually really does know how it's Mm -hmm. coming back into this knowing this. So vibrational sound is very helpful. Uh, Swaying, wonderfully helpful. When we are swaying by yourself like this, kind of like swaying. Oh, interesting. Swings. Swaying is uh, going on a swing is incredibly Mm. regulating for our nervous systems. That bilateral movement supports our systems to come into regulation. So Mm, swaying is very powerful regulating tool. And the way that I describe this is when when you're going to approach swaying, for example, not manipulating your body, but letting your body sway the way it wants to. So imagine you just one of my intuitive friends calls our bodies earth suits. Imagine you just got this earth (laughs) suit. And you're letting it do its thing. Not like, Mm -hmm. oh, I think this is how a person should sway. But instead, how does my body want to move? Another incredibly regulating tool is shaking. Now, when I say that, people often just think like, oh, like this, like move your hands. No, shaking. When I say shaking, we want to again, let our bodies support the movement, which will look different based on where you are in your nervous system. It might be slow. It might be fast. And we want to feel it from the inside first. I often say, feel it in your tailbone Mm -hmm. and let the energy in your tailbone begin to move from the inside. And that movement starting in the inside, uh, coming out, will always be appropriate to what your nervous system needs. And so that's incredibly regulating. Um, Bilateral tapping uh, is really regulating for our nervous systems. Um, Cross-lateral movements. So if we can um, bend like my right side of my body to the left side of my body mm-hmm. or turning, twisting uh, is are really regulating things for our nervous system. Um, breath work is very regulating for our nervous system. Yeah. With one caveat that I want to say is that um, it's very nuanced. So breath work, just like everything can be wonderful, but isn't for everyone at a certain time in their nervous systems. Uh, uh, abilities uh, or, or what's called their vagal tone, the shape of their nervous system. So when we're doing breath work, we are actually evoking a stress response uh, mm-hmm. in the breath work that people think about like a breath work class. Now, if my nervous system does not yet have the ability to go into a stress, st- stress response and come out of the stress response, then what happens is people will do breath work and they'll have a emotional release but their nervous system will actually go down into dorsal. So there's a hierarchy or order of our nervous system. And they'll go from, so for example, I'll let this release out, but my nervous system doesn't have the ability yet to pop itself out into regulation. And instead they end the breathwork class feeling slightly out of it, like a little, mm-hmm. little fuzzy, mm-hmm. little, little not quite here. And that's just a clue that this isn't the supportive thing for you right now. And, and I just like to, to name that because I don't think there's enough people chatting about that component of it, that, that if someone's nervous system has, doesn't have the ability to pendulate itself quite yet, that can happen. Mm. Um, and so if that's true, that, can, that will certainly change with the more we regulate our nervous systems. But what I like to introduce instead is if you're in symp- your sympathetic nervous system, doing um, uh, breathing cycles that support, um, that support regulation in a more gentle way, like um, a simple breathing structure is a four, seven, eight breath. So shorter inhalations, longer exhalations is what mm-hmm. we want to do if we are in that state of fight or flight or mobilization. So inhaling for four, holding your breath for seven, 
and then exhale through your mouth for eight, like kind of like you're blowing out a candle. So not just like we want to like that. Your oh, dog's sorry. doing it. Your dog's regulating. Like Our dog is regulating. I'm gonna let him out because someone just yeah, came yeah. to my house. Oh, of course. Sorry. I thought that might happen. Sorry. I um I, I just had a thought. So um in the last 15 years, I have been regulating, but I had no idea that's what I was doing. So I wanted to run by you some of these activities and, and you let me know if that's what I've been doing. Yeah. Um, I tell people that I found myself through donuts, um, my motorcycle and CrossFit, um, donuts, barbells and my motorcycle. And I think what I've been doing, uh, because I was very dysregulated, you know, living in panic, fight or flight, always chasing shiny things. I grew up here in Los Angeles. I too... Uh, I've done a lot of extra work. If you live in Los Angeles and, and you're uh, in high school and college, the, the thing to do is you do extra work on fancy shows like 90210 and you get lobster and you get to play volleyball and all that. So yeah. did all that stuff and um, just got caught up in living a life that was very um, put on pause until I got the big thing, right? So that mindset plus the deregulation. So motorcycles. I got into riding motorcycles after my divorce because uh, most of my relationships, my uh, girlfriends never always said no. Um, so when I ride a motorcycle, um, swaying through canyons, yeah. completely present, because if you're not present, you're going to die. Right. I'm not thinking about, ta I'm not thinking about anything, right? Wind That's on my right. face, hitting flow states. And I, it's, it's funny because my partner says, you're the most grounded when you're on a motorcycle and I, cause I could feel you on the back of the bike. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, that's where you're the most present. Yeah. And, uh, vibration, so by the way, I just want to name another component of that is the vibration. And, mm. um, and there's the vibration um, of the motorcycle vibration of the motorcycle. Yeah. So there's a, uh, I have a study that was done. I was just actually listening to some, and I haven't read the study myself. So I just want to name that for everyone right now, but I was listening to someone talk about a study with a lot of, um, uh, vets who were really drawn to motorcycles after. And they said, well, mm. this is just because like, they like, you know, like they're into cool stuff like motorcycles. And they found is, no, a part of this was because this was the, one of the only places that they're nervous, that they could experience regulation in their nervous system. Oh, interesting. So it's fascinating yeah. you're saying this because it's, incredibly regulating you have to be totally present mm -hmm. at, to the task at hand you can't focus on anything else the vibrational um experience of it is really mm -hmm. powerful the sensory experience the movement of of um emotion that's happening mm -hmm. all of those are extremely regulating for the nervous system yeah and i had no idea i, I was just trying to be cool and i and you know what i was <laughs> i was regulating my nervous system um yeah. something i've recently got into and i know there's a lot of talk about this uh i don't know if you do this ice plunges yeah mm -hmm. and saunas yeah. are those yeah. uh are those tools to regulate your nervous system totally and mm -hmm. and what i will say just again the caveat there is they're extremely regulating for the nervous system and mm. What I, what I get a little frustrated when I look at Instagram is like people being like, here's the things to regulate your nervous system without some caveats. Cause it's not right. like, we're not, we're human beings, complex creatures that like, yes. And there are certain situations where I would not recommend that for people. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. like I just named before and are extremely regulating too. So I just like to name that for anyone's like, oh, but when I do it, I feel more dysregulated. Well, that's your nervous system saying, this is too extreme for me right now. Yeah. And could I pull back a little? Like if, an, yeah. if, if doing cold plunge is too much for your body, let's start with a bowl of ice or a cold shower. 
and see how your system can respond to that. So just want to name that because I think mm -hmm. some people can just think like, should all of these things be regulating for me? And it's much more nuanced than that. Yeah, I, I'm, glad you, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that because as, as things get very commercialized, um, the intention yeah. starts to fade and now people are doing it as a competition and other kind of things. Yes. And that's going to activate your nervous system. Um, and then also uh, fitness. So I got into yeah. functional movement and you know, in high school, all, all I did was, you know, bench press and try to get biceps. And then when I found uh, functional fitness, um, dropping into your body, so gymnastic movements, handstand pushups, all that kind of stuff, um, I felt so calm after those workouts. And I think I was regulating in a way, in a hyper way. 100%. Oh, yeah. And there's research on exercise, also weightlifting and, um, mm -hmm. and regulating of our nervous system. Because for many of us, like you mentioned earlier, most trauma is relational, meaning it happened with another person. And so that means that our nervous system, it, it stores that in kind of like an internal database that people aren't safe, um, vulnerability isn't safe, whatever. But most of us don't have experiences, some might, but most of us don't, we're like, the dumbbells are dangerous, or like handstands mm -hmm. are dangerous, or mm -hmm. gyms are dangerous. Right. So those can be cues of incredible safety. And then support us, our nervous system to be like, all right, I'll let you come into your body this way because mm -hmm. it doesn't feel as threatening or dangerous. And for many people, it feels a lot less threatening or dangerous than being in a clinician's office. Mm. And so it's important to, to name that, that there's for like some regulating tools that I use or that I use every single day are a part of my life all the time. And we, our hope is that we get to a point where we're just regulating a lot without thinking about it. So we all live in a world right now, uh, our, you know, consumerism and capitalism, that's all about more, 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 do, do, do. Mm -hmm. I work almost entirely on a screen that is yeah. extremely dysregulating for a nervous system. You, yeah. If I didn't regulate throughout my day, I would get really dysregulated. So instead, like before I got on this call, I go in my backyard with a cup of bone broth. That's how I start my day. And mm. I feel the sun on my face. And I use every sense I have, I have to touch every sense and take a few different things in into my body. So really looking at details of light on leaves, hearing one thing in my left ear and right ear, taking my feet, my shoes off and feeling the very wet, cold earth since it rained here. Mindfulness. Um, You're talking about mindfulness. Yeah. 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 And that's getting in my body. Um, and then I'll do other things like I'll go in my backyard and smell a flower. Like I know that mm -hmm. seems trite but literally smell a flower that brings you into your body i'll take a break and i'll put a song on and i'll let my body move the way it wants to regulates my nervous system i will jump jump on a rebounder just a little jumping regulates mm -hmm. your nervous system mm -hmm. i will i pick up the plate of food before i eat it and i smell it and experience it regulates your nervous system i when i go on walks i have the whole intention of a walk usually is I pretend that nothing has a name and I'm just seeing it for the first time mm. and like a child. So like yeah. tree, like, what is that? What is right. that? Right. Regulates your nervous system. And I also say hello to as many people as I possibly can because nervous systems regulate each other. And Ooh, so eye contact. Oh yeah. So to yeah. me, it's, it's free regulating. So if I go to the grocery store, which is in LA, a lot of people are always very surprised about this because everyone's still in their own bubble. Like to me, yes. I'm like, there's free medicine in here along with the food. The medicine is connection. <laughs> there's so not, there's I, not a lot of medicine in LA because no one's looking no, at you in your eyes. They're looking no, down. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know if you're going to get many smiles, but yeah. No, but yeah. 
you know what's really cool? Like the people that usually work at the grocery store, no one ever sees them. I used mm -hmm. to work in, in service industry for a long time and a lot of people yeah. don't see you. So when right, someone does and like genuinely says, how are you? Uh, the person's usually like, wow, thank you for actually asking. Like, thanks for asking. And even if it's a one minute conversation, my that's free regulation. I just like, wow, didn't charge me anything. I left this place. I felt a little bit better. And if we want to get free in our lives, if we want to step towards our purpose, if you want to find that partner and feel ready to receive them, if you want to have less anxiety or depression, these are the micro moments we're looking for. Like if you mm -hmm. collect these, they add up to changing your vagal tone. And I've worked with thousands of people who go from like, I need a Xanax to leave my house to mm -hmm. I don't need that anymore. Right. And that's not a mystery. That's from these micro moments of regulation again, again, again. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want to compile. Like you were like everything you named, uh, the things that I named, I invite people to like create a list of anything that registers as good for you. Literally anything cooking. I mean, some people might hate cooking, but washing your car, um, yeah. pulling yeah. weeds in your backyard. I actually mm -hmm. like doing that. It makes me feel like I'm in my body. Um, Create a list and then say to yourself, all right, today I'm going to do five to 10 of these things that literally take me two minutes each, maybe two minutes, three minutes. And then after you do them, your job is to become an expert in noticing nuance of change. So mm. did anything change? Do I have a little bit less panic in my body? Do I feel a little less out of it? Do I feel, did I take a deeper breath? Um, just a, one thing to look for with regulating. Here are some other clues that you've regulated. Um, you feel heat in your hands, face, um, and feet. You yawn because more oxygen mm. is going to your brain. Mm -hmm. You um, burp, uh, have gurgling in your stomach, <laughs> or you pass gas, which is always weird. With working with somatic people, they'll like congratulate you when you fart, and you're like, "That's yeah, yeah. super weird," yeah. uh, because your GI tract is turning on. Um, being able to you're, think you're regulating your nervous system, but you're losing some friends. But anyway, go ahead, and sorry. you're losing friends at the same yeah. time. I guess it depends <laughs> on what your friends are into. And maybe um, they're not really your friends if you're going to lose them because, of, because you're passing gas. Exactly. Yeah. If your friend congratulates you when you pass gas, you know they're a real. That's friend. a true friend, exactly. True friend. Um, so if you're having a lot of energy in your body, anxiety, worry, frustration, that's your sympathetic system. When you regulate, what we're looking for is a little less energy. So mm -hmm. I'm a little bit more calm. If you feel shut down, apathetic, hopeless, depressed, in a funk, when you regulate, we're looking for a little more energy. So I'm not so out of it. I'm a little bit more energized in here. Mm -hmm. Um, and even if it changes 5%, you literally just talk to your nervous system and you gain control over it. If you can do that for five seconds, you can do it for 10 and then 20 and 30. Yeah, and that yeah. becomes a life predominantly lived in regulation. But what most people do is they want to regulate when they're in, when the house is on fire. Mm. Like things are messed up in my relationship. What do I do to regulate? And yeah. if we only look for these things when we're highly dysregulated, it's not going to work. We have right. to do consistent right. uh, regulation. I I, uh, I love this wonderful reminder that we're talking about today, and I love how practical it is because it doesn't cost money. You don't have to go on a fancy retreat to Bali. You don't need a no. you know. We're talking about lifestyle changes, right? I mean, it's literally like saying drink more water, right? We're talking about yes. little things you can do daily to build up something that is cumulative. Um, and and the yeah. the uh, the fitness thing is such a great example because you don't just go into the gym and try to deadlift five hundred pounds. You're gonna hurt yourself. No. Yes. But starting with 
10 pounds and then 20 and building up that uh, way of living over stretched over time is what's going to um, the practice of that is what's going to ground you and calm your nervous system. I want to end with bringing it to relationships. I also think that we have a responsibility, um, whether we're in a relationship or not, to work on these things for all our relationships. So we don't show up in relationships throwing chairs and activated and reacting. You know, So it doesn't matter if we're talking about relationships with our family, friends, or intimate partners. Um, it's a responsibility just being on this planet. You know, I, I feel like most of us, and, and by the way, thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, most of us have stories like yours, not the same, but childhood was traumatic. And then we spend our adult lives repairing what was ruptured <laughs> you know? yes, while we're it. trying to build things. Yeah. While we're trying to build a life. And, that, no and, I, and then we have kids and we have taxes and we have all those other things. <laughs> Um, but that that's what make, makes adulting so hard. And it's also what makes relationships so hard. Because when you get into a relationship, you have your stuff and then they have their stuff. We're looking at things through different lenses, right? Because it's, 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 it's who we are, what we've been through, how we see the world, not really how, how the world is. And so there's just a lot of layers. And so, uh, yeah, it's our responsibility to manage our nervous system to self-soothe, to reparent, and show up in a way that is um, kind and neutral and not so grabby and reactive. Mm. What are yeah. some things that a couples can do um, to mm. help? I mean, obviously communicate, right? But what are some things couples can do to um, help with their own nervous systems? Yeah. Well, something I say a lot is that we are, I do somatic parts work as well, that we are, um, we are the primary parent to our parts and our nervous system. And our partner is like the secondary parent. So, you know, we want to help each other heal, but we want to have the, the agency and control over our experience. And, and I am the first point person for these parts mm -hmm. of me, mm -hmm. not expecting my partner to rescue or heal them because they, they can't rescue them. Only I can rescue mm -hmm. my parts. Um, and I just want to name that we have this threat detector in our nervous system just really quickly. And its job is to look out into the world and see if we're safe or not. Or not. And it, right. it likes to look for things that are familiar. We have this like internal computer system or database with every lived experience we've ever had. So whatever we have in there around what relationships were in the past, like what does it mean to be loved? What does it mean? Oh, love means abandonment. Love means mm -hmm. uh, yelling. Love mm -hmm. means pull away when you feel you know hurt, whatever. So when we get to a relationship, our that threat detector looks to our partner and it says, oh, you're the most important person to me. You're my family. What information do we have on family and most important person? And then it goes, oh, they neglect you. They're not available for you. Love mm -hmm. is withheld, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. So now what I do is, and they're doing it to me too. My system says, oh, you must be like that other person because there's, because you're family and you're my most right. important person. So now as you named, like this is the, the science behind why we project onto other people. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, a couple of things that are super important for, for anybody to know is that once I am um, dysregulated, more than like between a one to a three out of 10. So it's more intense than maybe a very mild dysregulation. My thinking brain stops working and rational thinking, language, understanding, all of that is totally gone. And my nervous system essentially no longer sees my loving partner. I am back to being whatever numeric age I'm mm -hmm. reminded of. So it's like I'm eight years old now. Right. Now they're probably also eight or 10 years old yeah. and I can't hear them. And what we, and they can't hear me. 
And what we try to do is we both have our swords out from dysregulation. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to say the thing I couldn't say to my father now to you because I'm no. you know, blah, 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 blah. And they're saying, my mother was always so critical of me and you're doing the same thing. You're so right. critical of me. Right. You're my mother. And we can't hear each other. And a small argument goes to an extreme argument because we keep trying to battle each other. So like 101 of nervous system mm. relational dynamic is first, number one, understanding your nervous system so that we can see uh, and have a rule in our relationship once either or both of us are more than a one, two or three dysregulated. So I'm, I'm like pretty dysregulated in this moment. We must pause this conversation and we must both go do something to regulate. And I don't suggest you say point a finger and say, Hey, you're really dysregulated. Why don't you go do something to regulate? But instead like, Hey, are you, can you come up with a code word you use or a sentence that you say, like, it seems like we've left regulation. So let's pause and each go do something to regulate. And once we're both feeling more present, let's come back to this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that doesn't mean for any avoidant person listening, that's like, yes, cool. Let's never talk about it. It doesn't mean go away and do, do nothing. Mm -hmm. It means your job is to go for a ride on the motorcycle or to put your feet in the ground and feel the earth or touch a tree or go for a walk or do some yoga or whatever it is that's going to support you feel more present. And then once my thinking brain is back online, now we can come back and repair. Yeah. You cannot repair when you're both highly dysregulated. It's just physiologically not possible because your nervous systems are seeing each other as enemies. Um, I'm, I'm going to add also, because um, what, what Sarah's talking about is the nervous system being uh, foundational. That's the soil. That's where you begin. Yeah. Um, it may not be a fair fight without it, um, but also in the bedroom. You know, oh, yeah. in, with intimacy, uh, if we skip yeah. this step, it, uh, it could just be a lot of um, physical, you know, it, it, people being disconnected, kind of going through the motions of it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and I, I don't want to generalize, but, um, you know, I grew up in locker rooms. I grew up with, um, you know, exposed to pornography and a lot of yeah. things where it's disconnecting you with your partner in the bedroom instead of connecting you. And so the reset oh, yeah. would, would be starting with regulation, nervous system. Are you guys connecting on, on that way first, you know? Oh, a hundred. Thank you for naming that. Cause I think, um, I mean, I'm, I'm very, very much about sexual liberation for all of us. Yeah. And there should be no shame about our sexuality in any yeah. way. And just a personal antidote here. I, I was divorced. I am divorced and have been uh, divorced three years ago and recently decided I think I want to start dating again. And what I, find is so fascinating as someone entering the dating world after mm-hmm. like 16 years is a very a very different world today by the way dating than 16 years ago world, John. <laughs> yeah. Holy yeah. Cow. Wow. No, no one's walking up to you asking for your phone number no one's um walking I, their I car wish it was you that day. Yeah. i wish it was, That's how it was for me back in the day yeah me too when before i got married so but what i will say is that i find so so interesting is to me the most beautiful form of sexual intimacy and actually what makes sex really, really wonderful and great is that we are deeply connected, that we are deeply can see one another. And so I find it interesting, even in dating that people want to bypass that and go Mm -hmm. straight to having sex. That is not going to be, it might be fine, but it's not going to be deeply connected and not something that's not something I'm interested in. It's not going to be deeply connected. And this, really beautiful, nourishing, incredible experience. Um, because it, the foundation is not first intimacy and right. seeing each other. Uh, from, trust from and regular. safety. 
And yeah, yeah you're, you're not establishing um, that kind of environment that is safe and inviting. It, because once you have that, then you can play. Then you can go to the yeah. edges or whatever you're into, exactly. right? Yeah. Exactly. And be exploratory and, yeah. um, you know, and, <laughs> and open and available. And I think, and I want to name though, also for people, um, you know, especially as someone like me who, you know, I have a sexual history, sexual abuse history, yeah. like lots yeah. of women and people, um, is, um, the more that you actually take, uh, advocacy and agency over this part of your life and say like, it's okay to say, I need to go slower. It's okay to say, I, um, I want to build this intimacy and safety first, then like all relationships, but also sexually, it becomes this beautiful healing possibility mm, for us. Right. Our nervous systems get to see, oh my gosh, it gets to be different. I get to say, oh, I don't like that. Or I do like that. Or mm -hmm. I could stop this at any point and the other person celebrates that and does not say or shame me for it. Or, you know, all the things that we didn't get to experience can happen now in a beautiful, liberated way. Sarah, you just opened the can of a whole different episode, but something I'm super <laughs> passionate about. You're talking about the relationship or intimacy container being used as a therapeutic tool, as Huge. a healing experience. And, um, you know, I, 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 yeah, I in the bedroom edges, a little kink, whatever, a little tied yeah. up, that kind of stuff. And that now is actually being used as long as it's safe for people yes. who have, um, been uh, sexually abused uh, younger uh, yeah. to 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 kind of give themselves a corrective experience, a safe experience doing those things. Um, that that is actually it's amazing. So like you yeah. know, um, being tied up or whatever you're into, yeah. but in a way that is connecting and grounding, not in a way where you are disassociating. I guess right. A hundred percent, or perhaps being the person that is facilitating tying up your partner. You know, that might be a really empowering, beautiful thing for you. Right. So, right. and with the, uh, and, and that can only happen if we both have deep levels of safety and sure, intimacy and connection. Yeah. And I think that our culture, and I'm really like making myself sound like such an old person right now, but our culture that is wants fast, quick hits, yep. Yep. uses sexuality as a way, actually as a coping strategy to numb things. And so like, if I, if I have sex, I don't have to like quickly on like the second date or whatever, really fast. Uh, it, it numbs this loneliness I feel, or it mm, makes me feel, mm -hmm. um, like I might be loved mm. and, and it's not actually coming from a place of our, maybe our highest truth or choice. It's coming from a place of, uh, survival or it's mm. coming from a place of dysregulation. And, and I think that, that that's become culturally the norm, kind of like happy hour, you know, what is yeah. happy hour? $6 to numb your nervous system. Like it's, that's what it is. You know, yeah. you worked really hard. You're so dysregulated, come for $5 and you can do something that's going to numb you. And then right. we consider this like socially acceptable. And I think the same happens with like jumping straight to, to sex without safety. Um, it's without a safety, similar yeah. thing. Sure. I can see that. You know, when I tell people I lost my virginity at 18, they're like, oh, you're so old and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I wasn't ready. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, thank you for uh, uh, being on this podcast. Um, I, I, I forgot to ask you what I ask all my guests in the beginning. Um, and that is, what is your current, I like to throw my guests in the deep end of the pool very fast. Well, um, you got lucky because we, we did a slow build, but um, yeah, okay. 
the question I ask, uh, Tim Ferriss does the whole uh, billboard question at the end. My, my question is in the beginning, and it's what is your current greatest struggle? Mm. It could be anything. Uh, yeah. I would say to be, I, and I like to just be very, 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 very candid and honest. Uh, my greatest struggle is I've done, again, 15 years of my own healing. And I want to name for mm. everybody here, like, it's never done. We're never yeah. done becoming. Yeah. But there's this last maybe like 2 or 3%. And sometimes when we get to this last bit, it can be feel the most extreme, mm. like, because we have the capacity to hold it. And my struggle is, is focusing less on the 3% because I'm really good at like, go do, fix yeah. the thing. Yeah. Um, and instead focusing on this other 97% of life right. that I have created and that, um, that I don't have to suffer to experience great abundance and ease and pleasure. Um, mm. And instead just like, really being able to allow it and, and, and lean into it. So that's my current area of, um, of, of what I'm working on or leaning into. Yeah. And so relatable. Uh, I mm. also on purpose, um, don't, don't respond or don't say anything to fix or give advice. Uh, I, I like people to express their current greatest struggle and, um, and leave it there, you know? And, and yeah. so thank you for sharing that. The final thank thing you. before we go is, um, what do you think the title of this episode? I like to actually come up with a title with my guest in real time. And as you're saying this, I'm going to type it in and it will be the title of this episode. Um, we've come out, <laughs> I've come up with some really ridiculous titles, uh, fun, uh, but of course this can be anything. So I don't know. Obviously we talked about nervous systems, um, yeah. the practice. Well, we talked a lot about the, the, the road to regulation. You know? Oh, that's it's, good. It's the road to regulation with Sarah. Okay. Do you want, is that good? Is that okay? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I love that. The first idea. Okay. Great. Sounds like a book. Yeah, it does sound like a book. Maybe that is what my book will end up being instead of you make sense. The road to regulation. <laughs> or and it could be, it you. could be, it could be, you make sense. And then on the bottom yeah. of the road. Yeah. And I'll just have a little thank you inside to, yeah. to you. All right. Now, where can we find you? Uh, I do lots of teaching, free resources, and lots of other things on Instagram. Mm -hmm. uh, the handle is Sarah B Coaching, or you can go to sarahbaldwincoaching.com. And that's Sarah with an H. Sarah with an H, yeah. Yes. Well, thank you for everyone for listening. Um, go check out her page. Uh, she gives you tons of content and such. Uh, a Snickers bar packed like nuts, nugget, caramel. It's all it's all uh, in those little Instagram squares. So go check that out. And thank you so much for being on my podcast, Sarah. Thanks, John.